0: Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. So my word today, uh, I'm, uh, I spoke in the first service, and I said, uh, I, so I gave the story of how I was preaching the word of the Lord today, and I said, I woke up in the morning and I wrote three points in a notepad. And I said, God, I have the skeletons. Uh, I said, God, bring the skeletons to life. (laughs) And he did. Uh, And so I'm going to, we're going to read from the book of Luke, uh, chapter 10, from verse 25 to 37. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but so an expert uh, of the law came to Jesus to test Jesus. Yeah, so he wanted to test Jesus, and he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, Jesus asked him what is written in the law. Uh, he replied, uh, how do you read it? And he answered uh, from verse 27, the love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And... Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Uh, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Uh, but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And replied, Jesus said, man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on his way uh, he, was, he fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levi, when he came to the place and saw him passed uh, uh, passed by by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, (coughs) brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So which of this three do you think was a a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? The expert of law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Uh, So Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, God, this morning, Lord. We sit at your table. Lord, I'm standing before your people, God. I pray, God, that you may inspire me with the words to speak to them in a language that they understand the best, oh God. Lord, use me as a vessel of honor, God. And from my mouth, oh God, let it be your word that comes forth, oh God. Thank you for today and Thank you for the miracles that are gonna happen here today. Thank you for the answers that are gonna be answered today, oh God. And we thank you because Lord, we shall not go home today the same way we came in. And we pray all this believing and trusting in Jesus' name. And somebody said amen. amen. Are you excited this morning? Yes. Yeah. God is good. So good, so good. So my story today, my, my, my sermon today is a testimony of the scars and uh one of my points was uh, be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. James one twenty two, And, uh, you know, the story of a Samaritan is told that two religious people and one odd Samaritan and if the multiple choice would have been posed to this guy who was left for the dead and told, imagine yourself being beaten down and left half dead. And then you're given the multiple choice between A, a priest, and B, a Levite, and B, a Samaritan, who would come to your rescue. The guy would have put in his answer as A, the priest, the man of God who is inspired by the the Lord. He preaches the word, he knows the word. I mean, it's got to be that guy, right? And if that guy would have thought, I mean, if I would be half dead, the guy that I would want to be the first one to find me is a priest. Because he's going to pray for me, he's going to take me, get me help, he's going to make sure that I get the help that I need, right? A priest. And if you bring up the first picture there, the picture of the road where this guy was traveling from, so Jerusalem is up higher than Jericho. So this guy was going down to Jericho. And he fell into the hands of robbers. It's about a 17-mile road from Jerusalem to Jericho. But the paradox of this story is that the people who were actually supposed to help this guy, they walked on the other side of the road and walked away. And I mean, Yeah. They probably, have, they, they probably had a reason why they did that, right? I mean, because the, probably the HVAC system in the church had died, and the pastor, the priest, had to go open the door for them to fix it. Because we're going to have church on Sunday, and uh, we can't have church on Sunday, and there's no air conditioning, right? And so I'm sorry you are uh, beaten there and left half dead. I, I just got to go and I, I just got to get this done. Or maybe he had a wedding to officiate. I mean, these two people, got they, they got to get married. I'm sorry, but uh, I hope somebody else, I hope, I mean, yeah, I- I'm, I'm going to pray for you in my way that somebody will come help you, right? And then the Levite comes in, another church guy, and is like, uh, well, uh, Bible study, maybe? God. I'm the Bible study leader, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I got I, I to go. Right? Like, if you would have told this guy the story that, I mean, these people would pass you by, and they would not help you. They would go on their married way. They there would be no way. So who, who's going to help me? Like, oh, the other person on this road is a Samaritan. Are you serious? A Samaritan? I'm a Jew. I mean, we'll look down on these people. It's like you would have asked this guy if there was anybody on this road that would come up to you and just walk on the other side of the road, it had to be a Samaritan, right? But that's not what happened. And it's not enough to know the word. It's not enough to memorize the word, scripture, if you do not do the word. If you do not put the scriptures into action, it's not enough. It's not enough to be able to quote scriptures. It's not enough to, to sing the most powerful songs. It's not enough until you take the word and you put it into action. Until you put your faith and you put it into action. The be-so-doers of the word and not just hearers. Because the thing is, is it's it's... We are busy with life, especially here in America. You got to get to your deadlines. You got to get to your appointments. You got, man, your kids' recitals and all that stuff. It's, it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta meet your targets. Work. It's, it's like I just gotta go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, you are having such a rough time at home. I, I just. My boss will, be on my case if I don't at this on time. I'm sorry I can't listen to you. And then you get into a grocery store and are like, I gotta grab this so that I go. I'm, I can't say hi. I'm so sorry. I'm so busy. My next point, my first point is be doers of a word and not just hearers. My second point is look up. Because it's, I mean, we have legitimate reasons you, got, it's, uh, you gotta meet those deadlines. Otherwise you're gonna be out of a job, right? But that doesn't stop you from looking up. It doesn't stop you from sparing a minute. Looking into someone's eye, saying hi to them, giving someone a hug who looks like they're having a rough day. Telling them, are you okay? Can I give you a hug? How are you doing today? Can I pray for you? I know, you gotta meet your schedules. You gotta make it to your appointment. Bible study is on you. But you have to look up, otherwise you will miss on the opportunities that God puts on our way. You will miss on so many opportunities that God places on our way to be the hands and feet. To love on somebody. To encourage somebody. To tell somebody God loves you. To pray on somebody. We have to look up. And this goes all together. As, you know, be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. And the way to do that sometimes it starts from looking up because when you are tied down with your own stuff that you have to do. I mean, being a parent, I know. Being an employee, I know. Being a husband, I know. Being a son, I know. Being a Christian, I know. You gotta do this stuff. But we need to look up. We need to reach out. I mean, I've had stories and stories, a lot of stories about, you know, people who are on the verge of giving up, taking their life. But then somebody gave them a phone call and asked them, Hi, I'm sorry I haven't called in a while. How are you doing? Someone who was feeling insignificant. And a stranger just approached them and, and gave them the time and place and asked them, how are you doing? You don't look too good. Can I pray for you? You know? Looking up. Because you could be the last person in this person's life that they're looking for to reach out to them. You could be the Samaritan. The stranger, the, this guy, you know, it's like my, my brothers, my family are going to reach out, but no, none of them did. But then you, the stranger, reaches out and say, can I give you a hug? And it's like, wow. You are God sent. The least likeliest of them ended up becoming the best of them. And you know, I I think about this guy, and after he, he got well, he had a testimony to tell. What kind of testimony do you think he told? This guy, he was beaten, he was left half dead. He's probably had scars, but his, but his experience on this road. He had cars, and he looked at them, and and what kind of testimony do you think he had? Oh well, I was lying there half dead. I saw the priest, but he just walked on the other side and walked away. And, well, I, I, and another one, Levi came, and he walked on the other side and walked away. And at this point, this guy is like, "Wow, if those two are not going to help me, I, I yeah." I guess it's not my day but then a Samaritan came the least likeliest of them all saved this guy's life and I'm I'm sure this guy looked at his scars and he said wow these scars remind me of this person who could have just walked away but he stopped to help and I think about my story and I think about The story of a good Samaritan. Because in my story, someone who lists likeliest of them reached out to me. I was born in a family of three boys and my mom who was a sole breadwinner. And she would make about five to $10 a month. And I mean five to $10 a month to be able to support three kids, that math didn't add up. So I grew up in what you would call abject poverty. I woke up in the morning and I had no idea where the next plate of food would come from. I mean, we didn't have a fridge that you would just open and get a glass of milk or get a fruit. It was sometimes we went for a couple of days without having food to eat. And once you go hungry a couple of days, you become desperate. You would do anything to get food to eat. Really, that's what pushed me to going and knocking on people's doors, begging for food. And it wasn't a very good experience for me. Because I knocked on these people's doors relentlessly. Because I knew I needed the food and I had to knock on these people's doors. And then these people would open the door and it's like, ah, you again? What do you want? Food? Food? Some people got tired of me knocking on their doors time and time again. I need food. A lot of times they would just shut the door on my face, just go away. And the few times they let me in, they made the point to humiliate me and my mom just because she wouldn't be able to provide us with food. And I mean, that was hard. But I was hungry. I could care less what they said of me. We never had access to clean water. We know we never had taps that you would open and you would get either hot or cold water. Our source of water was from a river that originated in a slaughterhouse, and you can imagine all that waste went into the river. That's the same water we would drink out of and cook with. I mean, but I think one of the worst things about poverty is that every time we got sick, my mom told us, just hope you're gonna be fine because I do not have the money to take you to hospital. And that was true. Because if you showed up in a hospital and you did not have the money, they would not take you in. So my mom told me this story that the year that I was born, there was one of the biggest measles outbreak in Kenya that took lives of thousands of kids I happened to be one of those kids who had measles. And I mean, I'm a parent now, but I can imagine my w- the pain in my mom's heart to hold me and know there's nothing she can do about it. She can take me to the hospital to be looked at. And she's just, she's just gotta wait and see what happens. And she told me that every minute that passed by, I grew weaker and weaker and weaker. And she didn't think I would make it through the end of the night. But the story of my life. God was gracious to me. I made it through the end of that night. Just like so many other times in my life. I mean, poverty is bad. I would never wish poverty on anybody. But the absolute worst thing about poverty is the hopelessness that comes from poverty. Is when people looked at me Straight in their eyes, that they told me that I am worthless. It's when they looked at me and they told me I would never amount to anything. And then they asked this question that we like to ask kids, and they asked me, Kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I always had a smile on my face. And so I told them I want to become an accountant. I know weird. (laughs) But I've been consistent my whole life. I've never wanted to become a doctor or a pilot or a lawyer. I've always wanted to become an accountant. So when they asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up, I told them, accountant. But it's what they told me next that wiped the smile out of my face. Because they told me Don't waste your time dreaming. Because none of your dreams will ever come true. I mean, it's the kind of words that someone tells you, this is the much hope that you have that, that will ever come true. And then they tell you this over and over and over again. It crashes that hope. It breaks your heart. I mean, which kid doesn't wanna dream? But then to be told you do not have a right to dream Because of where you were born, the family you were born in—I mean, I, it just sh- shattered my my heart. And with time I I learned to—I I thought, man, you know what? I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay in my lane." And I wrote my story when I when I was very young, and I said. I was born poor, I was gonna live poor, and I was gonna die poor, and nobody was gonna know about it. And then when I was about eight years old, my mom heard about compassion and that they were taking kids in. So. We ended up in this church. The way compassion works is there has to be a local church for there to be a compassion program, which gave church a very different meaning for me. Because church was a place that I went to and I felt safe. Church was a place that I went to and I I felt loved on. I mean, we ended up in this church and compassion has to do an audit to make sure that these kids actually do really need the help and. You know, they didn't need very much convincing that we were poor. So they took me in. After a while, I got my first letter because they printed out a package just like Veronica, Annabella, Morales. And they sent out to a compassion event. And, And I remember I remember this story because someone played a a prank on us because I had never taken a picture before. And this guy told us that the flash is, camera flash is really painful. (laughs) (laughs) And so the whole time I took my first photo, I was clenching my fists, waiting for the pain to come. (laughs) And so I don't know if I had a smile on my first compassion picture more of a terrified why why are you doing this to me and then they took the picture and the pain never came and I'm like yeah and then the guy was laughing afterwards (laughs) got you so they took my picture printed out a packet like this and then they sent it to a compassion event just like today and the guy saw my picture and said, oh, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't remember my first picture. I don't know if I was terrified. He said, I want this kid. I want to sponsor this kid. So he sponsored me, and, and he sent me a letter. One of, my, one, of my, one of my first letters that he sent to me, he said three words that no one had ever said to me before. He said the words, I love you. And the first time I ever heard those words, I read it in a letter. that just about blew my mind. Because what are the odds that this guy in Wisconsin would find this kid in somewhere in Nairobi, the suburbs of Nairobi, Kenya, and they would be connected. Right? That's very likely. Right? I mean, if you would ask me, like, wait, you're poor, kid, right? Okay, yeah, I'm poor. Who do you think is gonna help you? Like, you think somebody from Nairobi is the one who's gonna help you and you're gonna be out of poverty forever? I probably would say, yeah. And then he would probably give me a multiple choice. A, hey, somebody in Nairobi, or B, somebody in Wisconsin. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. No way I was going to say Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I had never been on a plane. There's no way. So the least likeliest of them was this guy in Wisconsin that would get my picture on a packet and decide, I'm going to sponsor this kid and send me a letter for the first time in my life, to tell me that he loves me. And then go on to tell me about this God. But here's my story. If you don't get anything from what I've said today, or will say today, is that at the heart of what compassion does is Jesus. Because ever since I stepped foot in that church, these people would not shut up talking about Jesus, and I am not kidding. (laughs) When I walked into the church, my mom heard about them making an announcement that there was this church that was helping people, because that's how, if you go ask for compassion, you'll probably not, they'll not know what compassion is, but they know the church that helps people, which is good. And so I ended up in this church, and I mean, these people were very warm and loving towards me, and it's like weird, because I wasn't used to that. And so from the first time I knew these people, there was something weird about these people, right? I mean, they're giving me smiles, and it's like, so I could tell there was something different about these people, and I didn't know what it was, but it didn't take me long to find out. The reason why these people were very different is because they were Jesus people, I promise you, these people did not shut up talking about Jesus. From the first time I stepped foot into that church, these people talked about this God. And, and, you know, we sang all these happy songs and we read all these scripture verses. And before I joined Compassion, I had no idea who Jesus was. I had no relationship with God. And then I've come into this church and these people will not shut up talking about this God who knew me before I was even conceived in my mother's womb. This God who seems to have a hope and a future for my life. I mean, hello, do you know me? Do you know my family? We've been stuck in this cycle of poverty for so long. You think me? The last born of three kids? Little me that... That, that I have a hope and a future. And so I kind of got tired of going to church and, and, you know, being all happy and joyful and talking about this God and then going back home to the same people who looked at me straight in their eyes and they told me I would never amount to anything. And so I thought, maybe I'm going to go to church and I'm going to accept their Jesus, thinking that maybe if I accept their Jesus, these people will shut up talking about Jesus. So I went to the church, and I said, today I've come to accept you, Jesus. Thinking that would shut them up. Boy, was I wrong. (laughs) But I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I remember going home, and there was something different. I couldn't tell what it was, but there was just something different about me. And then I thought to myself, I don't have anything to lose. Why don't I try this, Jesus? Jesus. Why don't I taste for myself and see if what they say about him is true? So I decided to dig in the scripture. I decided to spend my time with this God. I decided to cultivate this relationship with this God. And something started to happen, and it started to happen that day. The more I read the scripture, stuff started to fall off my eyes. That I was blind, but all of a sudden I could see. Something started to happen. As I started to know the truth, and the truth started to set me free. And then all of a sudden, I realized that, whoa, 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 wait a minute. There's a very big disconnect between who my God says I am and whom the world seems to think I am. He's my story. Poverty left my life the day Christ came into my life. I'm going to say this again. Poverty left my life the day Christ came into my life. The best gift that compassion ever gave to me wasn't food or clean water or take me to hospital every time I got sick. The best gift that I got from compassion was the gift of Jesus Christ. Because the big misconception people have of poverty is to think most of poverty is a lack of food, lack of clothes, lack of... But very little of poverty is physical. But so much of poverty is a mental and spiritual aspect of poverty. If you were to come found me in my tattered clothes and no shoes and dirty. And you give me money. That would have helped maybe change my appearance. But I was so broken on the inside that, that only God could mend me. That I was tied in so many Strongholds that only Jesus could break them. Very little of poverty is physical. (coughs) But it had to take Jesus to wash me from the inside out. And that's the misconception people have. I mean, I see that. I mean, we had programs that would come and feed us, and then they would go and you just give me food, if you give me money and you don't do anything else, you don't do nothing at all. And compassion didn't stop there. You know, they took me to school. I was the first person in my whole family to go past high school and I went on to college and I did my undergraduate and guess what? Accounting. (laughs) (laughs) then I, Got a scholarship to go to North Dakota State and I did my master's in guess what, accounting. And I sat for my CPA license and I'm a CPA in America. And I'm an accountant! (laughs) I like to do this for the accountants in the house because you never see accountants who are as excited as I am to be an accountant. (laughs) but I'm an accountant. (laughs) The one thing they told me that I would never become is the one thing that I am today. And about eight years ago, I got married to the love of my life, and that was beautiful. Awesome. But I also had something special happen that day. The next picture there, on our biggest day, is this guy who saw my picture on a packet and and decided, the next picture there, the picture of us, uh, so this guy, his name is Owen, and he saw Owen. He said, I'm going to sponsor this kid. And on our biggest day, uh, Owen was the best man in our wedding. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and that's just beautiful. His son was, was a ring bearer. His son is Simon. So that was beautiful. But, I mean, that is a picture of compassion. Because the thing is, 20 some years ago, I was just a picture on a packet. 20 some years ago, you wouldn't have wanted to sit next to me. You wouldn't have wanted to give me the podium to stand before you and speak, share the word of the Lord. I mean, if you would have asked me, Frisco, Texas would never have come into my mind that today i would be standing before you and sharing the word of the lord the least likeliest of them all the guy from wisconsin saw my picture on a packet and said i'm gonna pick this kid he picked me and as a result of that i was released from poverty in jesus name but not only that i was able to go back to my family and release them from poverty, in Jesus' name, which is a repo effect of what compassion does. So I'm gonna challenge you today. But when you walk out, out of those doors, don't look down, look up. Go by the table, look at the packets, look at the kids. And no, do not do it out of guilt. If you sponsor a child, don't sponsor any child today because you're doing it out of guilt. Do it out of love. I'm standing here to tell you that when somebody picked my packet they changed not only my life, they changed the course of my whole family's life. I broke out of the cycle of poverty. In Jesus name. This wasn't my journey. I I would never have written my story this way. But God came in and rewrote my whole story. And thank God for this guy who heard my story and decided to step in. And so I hope you guys do sponsor a child today. It's only $38 a month, and when you go by the table, all you have to do is, you know, when you get this packet, all you have to do is fill out these... uh, Fill out the front and the back of this and give it to the compassion representative. And I hope you do today. Me and my wife, we sponsor three kids through compassion. And I can tell you it's the best $38 a month that we ever spend. Because I know I've been been a packet before. And it changed my life. But I can tell you this, it is way more blessed to be a sponsor than to be a sponsored child. And I hope you do look up today. I hope you take time today and stop by and sponsor a child through compassion. It's only $38 a month. Maybe eating out one time less a month or saving a few Starbucks coffee. Leave a mark. Because this guy, Wisconsin, was the least likeliest of them all. Now that my testimony of my scars, someone reached out and changed my life in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for your word, O oh God. And thank you for what you are doing here today, O oh God. Lord, I pray for everyone that came in today looking for an answer, God. May you give them one before they leave today. I pray for all those who came looking for healing, Jehovah God. May you give them healing in Jesus' name, oh God. Your body was broken so that we might be whole. By your stripes we are healed, oh God. Lord, I pray for all those kids and the compassion kids on the tables on, who are hanging on pegs out there, oh God, on packets. I pray for them and I pray for their life and I thank you in advance for how you're going to use them for your kingdom, oh God. I thank you, Lord, for the testimonies of their scars that they're going to tell for years and years to come about how today someone reached out and sold their picture on a packet and decided to sponsor them through compassion. We pray all this believing and trusting in Jesus' name. Amen.